Welcome to the Humans of Real Estate, your weekly podcast chatting with real estate industry professionals. We bring you top performing individuals to showcase their knowledge and expertise in the business to help others learn and grow. Here's your hosts, Kobe Clark-Jacobs and Emily Wallace. Sam Rigopoulos is known for consistently providing a world-class property sales experience, including expert negotiation and auction skills for all of his clients. Sam is a very important part of the Jealous Craig network, where he's a director at the Jealous Craig Northcote team. Sam has played an incredible role in positioning his team as unrivaled in the inner north. Also a record price breaker multiple times over, Sam is proud to be the area's number one agent. We are very excited to welcome Sam today. Hi, how are you going? Very good. Good. Excited to be here. We're excited to have you on board because it's pretty evident. Some would say you are the king of the north. I don't know about that. Um, I've heard mayor. Mayor. But but not king. Not king. I feel like mayor is more specialised anyway. Yeah, 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 that's right. (laughs) So we were just talking offline before and you were saying it's basically been record month on record month. What has the start of 2021 been like for you and your team? Relentless is the easiest way to put it. Um, We're lucky we had a really good break over Jan and we uh, rested up. We had listed strongly in December so we could start the year, I suppose, fresh and fresh and confident, good stock, ready to go. You know, of course, the the market is just taking care of a lot of business really effortlessly at the moment, which is great, but we've been able to use that strength and momentum of the market to encourage those who have been on the fence um, to get into the market and to play a part in it. And uh, and then, you know, as you mentioned, that's led to some phenomenal results. We, um, you know, my, my team has had uh, 50 plus sales in the first quarter of, of the year. And we, we sold 34 um, in May, uh, sorry, in March. Um, and I, I think listed 20 odd uh, on top of that. So it was just fever, feverish pace um, to, to do that sort of work. Um, so th- that's that's about the strongest start to, to a year we've we've ever experienced from a listing and selling perspective. Can we talk about the setup of the Jealous Craig yeah. network? Uh, we were calling them your teams before, but yeah. you referred to them as pods mm-hmm. instead. How does that work? There are a lot of um, pods or teams that work within the, the, the Jealous Craig group. Jealous Craig have done a really great job over the years um, of recruiting businesses and people um, who are uh, at the top of their game, and you typically find that people that the teams or the businesses in real estate that are at the top of their game operate in a very structured, systemized um, uh, way with great training, great um, uh, blueprints to follow, and that is certainly is the case for us so we've got uh, an environment where in this business here at the Northcote office um, there are three or four pods that work within uh, uh, within the sales business and we all operate as as businesses within the business as you would imagine Um, and and that's typical of a a lot of jealous Craig businesses across our group are like that Um, and yeah ours ours is no different in my pod um, there's now a team of five uh, and, and, and that's grown from two to three to four to five over the years um, and, and I suppose the, the more focus and effort that you put into, the, in, into the, the, the business, the more you find ways to leverage uh, the resources of a person and you find the gaps in the business that you can plug with another person and, and, and keep the business growing um, and, that, 
and so that's um, you know it's really we provide a significantly better service not just to our vendors but to our um, our buyers as well in terms of buy matching buy management off market work um, uh, because of the size and structure of the team so customer service is uh, significantly better than what it would be if I was a standalone or myself in a PA. Um, the ability to help people connect the dots with homes off market, on market, getting them ahead of the curve, giving them market intel and knowledge. Um, you know, there are people in the team whose role um, is specifically around that. Mm. Um, and then probably the most important thing is we we have our own value add to ourselves as well because we can, we can have time off. Like I've just had two and a half weeks off and Paula, who's in my team, um, basically um, we run the team t- together more or less and yeah, she and I had two, two weeks off simultaneously and, and the rest of the, you know, gang kept the wheels turning and that's one of the really strong advantages is that we can have a have a, a month or a quarter like we've just had and then and then mm-hmm. bail to recharge and things are still moving and, and people are still being serviced. So, um, you know, when you start to see the rewards of a pod uh, working, it's mm. really hard to go back. Oh, I can imagine. And I think it's such a great structure because I think it's quite evident when people are every man for themselves. You yeah, know, yeah. Every person for themselves, yeah. I should yeah. say. Um, and they're really siloed and I think – you can only run that race for so long if yeah. you're only depending upon yourself. You've got to create a team. Yeah. But I feel like historically real estate has been, because it is such a personal, like people know you by name. Yes, they know Jealous Craig is a company, but yeah. they go with you. Yeah. Um, it's hard to break that barrier, isn't it, into actually this is me and my team. Yeah, We're totally. We're going to look after you. Yeah, and, and, and if you structure your team right, you shouldn't have an issue with um, – I suppose losing any sense of momentum or or market interface. If anything, you should turn the team's size and leverage to the advantage to be able to service more people in a in in a, in a better way. Um, there's just too many moving parts in this business to do it all yourself, and you know service is um, service is key. Speed of service is extremely important, and mm. it's impossible to deliver that in this day and age without. Uh, a, a great team so getting the roles and responsibilities right and my situation as a owner in the business is perhaps different maybe to, to some others as well where it's I'm also very encouraged through this through the through my team to grow and develop people and put them out into their own teams mm. um, and so my perspective on building a team is um, is also about building people and building their careers and having them then move on to be able to create their own teams and, and, and growth, um, which is really exciting. So you can't do that if you're trying to do it all, all yourself. Oh, indeed. Mm. Now, you wouldn't know this, but your team, <laughs> from what we saw on Instagram, inspired us to um, put around some quarterly rewards if we hit a target because we oh. saw you all at the spa oh yeah and we great. Were like right if we hit this goal we're going to the spa yeah if we hit this goal we're going to a winery yeah that's great um, so we love that talk to us about the culture how mm. important well we know it's important but yeah. how do you how have you created that over yeah. time a lot of learning uh, culture it's easier said than done what i've learned over over the years for myself is that um culture is is built by the way you lead 
people in a team and you can't ex- demand or expect things from others that um, you're not prepared to do. And I think the minute you um, start to do that, you diminish culture, respect and trust within a, within a team. So how have we built culture? Well, I've always um, been prepared to do what I'm asking others to do and I've done that in the, in the past, always prepared to lead from the front that way. There's, there's, there's not a function in the business that I'm not prepared to get my hands dirty on. Mm. Um, and I think the team knows that and respects that. Um, I work relentlessly when I'm on, um, but I never hassle the team about where they are, what they're doing and, and not micro. I, th- I think that's a really big part of team culture is trust, setting mm. a target, setting a goal, setting a responsibility and then letting it go uh, and, and trusting that the people that you have around you are going to pick pick that up and do it well and do it in their own way. They might do it differently to the way I would want to do it or would, would have done it myself, but that doesn't mean that the end result is seriously compromised mm. and being prepared not to be a perfectionist in everything um, is really helpful when you're trying to build a culture. And so overarching then, you know, how does that all fit into building good culture and good team? Um, it's first and foremost um, setting setting the tone, setting the pace of the business and being, you know, showing the team that you're prepared to do it, you know, do everything. Um, then in, in empowering everybody to perform their role wholeheartedly without concern that you're watching over their shoulder. Um, but at the same time, pulling people up on standards if the result's not delivered or the outcomes are dr- consistently falling away so that there is that um, – that sense of responsibility or an accountability back to the team at some point. Mm. Um, and our team operates really well like that. I, we, we have always found that if we let the team, you know, set the targets, set the goals, set the incentives and then let it, let it happen, more often than not it does when there's not too much pressure on it. And then we have those rewards at the end of it, which mm. is awesome. We don't think about them too much though through the year. Like we just mm. kind of set them and know that they're there and they're always different, they're always changing. But the team knows if we have, you know, a, what we call a BME, best month ever, or if we have, you know, a, an on-target quarter or, if we, you know, something good's coming from it. We never know what it is, but it's just a part of our business that something always, um, something rewarding, whether that's a financial bonus or a dinner or a lunch or a chopper to the Yarra Valley or whatever it is, we've done it all. Something something positive will always come from, from the effort. And, um, and, yeah, that's the... That, that's the way that that's the way we roll. So you should, you should, um, you should set those intentions and set those goals. They're really healthy, but um, you know the pursuance of the target and keeping everybody on track is um, is probably more is probably uh, more important. So once we set our goals and we set our targets, um, we we don't micromanage everybody's roles within the team, but we talk about the team goals consistently. Mm-hmm. So we have regular meetings throughout the. You know, every week we meet twice a week and talk about the big picture goals that we're um, that we're working on. And then I think everybody leaves with a sense of responsibility towards those goals. You don't want to let down your teammate, and that that's where that's that's where the culture sits. Can we take a few steps back and yeah. talk about uh, why you joined real estate? How, when, why? So I started in working in sales uh, when I was seventeen. Um, I worked at uh, so I was at uni. I had a part-time job at uni with a uh, company called Kirby, which were a vacuum cleaner company from <laughs> the States. And so we had to go door-to-door selling vacuum cleaners. They were like, they were between three and 
$4,000 vacuum cleaner systems, Jesus. right? Um, so my, my entry into sales was uh, lugging around this ginormous vacuum cleaning system <laughs> and knocking on people's doors, uh, trying to offer them a, a, free, a free clean of one of their rooms, like a free steam, steam and clean and vacuum of one of their rooms in exchange for them watching a 30-minute presentation of how the how it all works and then trying to sell them onto a payment plan to buy the vacuum cleaner. Did you do the cleaning? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. I had to do the cleaning as well. So um, so the first – so so uh, that was really tough, right? Like, you know, you can just imagine um, you're in the burbs. We literally just got dropped off in a car. Um, we literally just – and we didn't know where we were going every day. The, the man, team managers knew, the team leaders knew, they'd drop us off in the middle of Shitsville and and pick us up at the end of the day. And we just had to walk our way through the streets lugging this thing around, hoping not to get mugged and um, and trying to get through doors. And so um, I, I became pretty good at it um, pretty pretty quickly and I thought to myself, um, this is good. I was like number two in Australia and New Zealand within a few months wow. and I found a knack for presenting and following the script and all of that sort of stuff and I, I kind of – surprised myself a little bit I didn't think that that was my game at the time so anyway I thought to myself I've got to be there's got to be something better to sell like (laughs) uh, you know if I've got a knack for this maybe I should be selling something a bit better than the vacuum cleaner so I um, when I got my real estate license I tried to get a job in real estate sales or car sales or I was just looking for thinking of anything that was bigger than a vacuum cleaner to sell (laughs) and I and so I landed in a carpet place selling carpet for a little for a little while I just couldn't get a job in real estate I was trying I was knocking on door real est- on doors uh, for like five years wow. yeah no one would give me a job and then one day uh, a guy in uh, Scotty in uh, Hocking Street in Carlton gave me a job and that was uh, my that was in 2005 that was in May 2005 yep. um, and that and then my real estate and that was like just just at the end of I think my agent's rep that I'd secured was about to expire. So if I didn't get a job then I was cooked. Um, uh, but yeah, so that then led me into, into real estate sales. So yeah, that's how I, that, that's how I got into real estate and why. Um, and it's been a really great journey and career. Um, I started strongly in that, in that role. Um, I, I was, um, 22 at the time. And then a few years later, uh, 25, 26, I opened an office here in Northcote. Um, and that was a really, that, that was, that was hard yakka. The office is what we call a cult start office. So there was no database. There was no, I had, I didn't have any agents, um, working in the area. I just opened up a, we just literally took a lease out on a, on a, on a building in a new neighborhood, um, and put an agent in the, in the shop with some branding <laughs> and said off your head and it was off you go. Um, so there was just, there wasn't a, there wasn't, um, a single listing or a buyer to work. It was, it was nothing. And, uh, so I had to lean back on my, um, vacuum cleaning door to door skills, um, to kind of get some momentum for myself again. And, you know, here we are 13 years on from that. And it's a, it's a, you know, it's a nice, us business and we've, we've come a hell of a long way from that. Was that a brand of your name? And then uh, came no, it was Hocking Stewart. It was Hocking Stewart. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It was, it was a Hocking Stewart. Yeah, it was under their umbrella. Yeah, yep. but I was at Hocking Stewart in Carlton at the time. Yeah. And then we opened up an office together with the guys from Hocking Stewart Carlton in partnership. 
and I and took out the lease and and off we went. So financially, I was supported by that that office in that you know all of the cost and the impact and you know the the, in, the intelligence about how to set up a business. Well, I didn't really have to worry. And at twenty five, had no idea anyway, mm. so I couldn't have done it. Um, but I had a lot of energy, yeah. and I, I I knew I there was no way I was going to not make something of it, whatever it was. I didn't, you know, I was pretty committed to that. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, it was a Hocking Stewart business and it remained that for seven years and then we switched over to Jealous Craig that we are now. We uh, merged with a, another um, with another couple of people and, you know, uh, took our business to the next level, yeah. Awesome. Mm. So it's a fairly long time in real estate, I think, you know, a lot of people of a similar age, if you looked at their career, a lot of would have changed paths or yeah. industry or jumped around quite a few roles. Mm. It's not uncommon to see a lot of change in people's yeah. resumes these days. Yeah. What's been the reason that you've stuck at it so long and, and obviously enjoy it? Well, well, I think I found it um, I found it rewarding because I was successful and that bred, and that bred confidence and and you enjoy things that are rewarding you and, and you're good at. And I think that um, always kept the motivation there there for me. And I there's, there's just so many levels to get to that um, I was so obsessed about ticking every one of those boxes off that I couldn't bear to bail until I'd achieved ev- all of it. Um, and that's still – that's an ongoing desire that's still, still there for me in different ways. And, you know, initially – it was just wanting to start the business and get some runs on the board. Then it was, I wanted, you know, wanted the business to do um, a sale a week. And then it was, you know, and then it was 10% market share and 20 and 30 and 50 and 60. And then it was, you know, dominate the top end. And then it was uh, people and, you know, all of those sorts of things. So I think really for me, it's just been that there's so much to do and so much to give that, um, that I haven't, been bored with it at all I've just been really motivated by by the industry and um and I and I still am a, a lot um that you know I can't see myself ever doing anything different other than maybe different roles within mm. the organization or within the industry or within you know but yeah that that that's um what's kept me there and I think I love that it's like a, it's it's a bit like a sport. Real estate's a bit like a sport. Like you know, you're fighting for business, which is like, you know, it's like playing a game, a game of footy or basketball or something like that. You're in the you're in the living room. You're competing. If you get the win, it's great. It's on. It's a, it's a you know win on the scoreboard. And if you uh, if you don't, you lost. You reflect. You regroup. You train. You know. You back. So it's, I feel like I'm just playing a corporate sport, right? That's 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 so. Which is like. How much fun's that? Like, I, I'm not going to play in the NBA, so so this is like less the, injuries. This is less. In, yeah, it's like the corporate. It's like the corporate NBA, right? Along those lines, how do you deal with rejection? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's okay. I've become much better at it. Um, much much uh, more philosophically now. I learned a few years ago that my self-talk was critical and that making it really clear to myself that a, a loss was one step closer to a win was really helpful. So so rejection, if I if I lost the listing, it would be, well, okay, my strike rate's 70, 80%. Um, that's one of the 
that's that's one of the losses that had to happen in order to make the eighty percent happen, mm-hmm. and I'm on to the next one. And sometimes they they sting for longer than they should, depending on the, on, on which ones they are. Um, and other times you move on really quickly, and it doesn't ma- and it doesn't matter. Um, and then over the years you realise that no one loss or win is ever going to define your career. It doesn't matter how strong that win is or that how big that loss is. It 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 really it could like if you win, yeah sure you win some business and you can and and I've turned business into more business, but I've also um, found that I've had listings in the past that drain so much energy that I don't know what I've missed on the other side of that by being so focused on dealing with the crap that came from that listing. So, um, you know, that's how I deal with rejection now. I mean, you get a bit um, more more experienced in the industry, you realise it's not so bad. Mm. In the early days, it really hurt though. (laughs) We often ask our guests about advice for people entering the industry, but I'd actually be keen to hear from you. What advice would you give to people who have actually been in the industry for five mm. or six years mm. and maybe hitting a complacency point mm. or a bit, you know, feeling is a bit mundane? Yeah, if they're working in isolation and and they're and they feel like they're on on a treadmill, maybe hitting a glass ceiling, um, strongly consider working in a team in a pod. Mm. Um, the energy of working with other people can really inspire you and can create a different set of thinking. There's one thing that is certain and it's um, it might be cliche to say it, but if nothing changes, nothing changes, mm. right? So what 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 will you change to make next month, next quarter, next year different or better to the last? It doesn't even have to be necessarily better financially, but it just has to feel different energetically. And when it feels different, you'll create a different set of results and you'll get you you you'll move into a different into a different path. Um so that's one. That's one thing. The second thing I'd say is strongly look at your um, at your routine, your um, your self talk, your beliefs, your habits, how you're starting your day, uh, all of those things, and really ask yourself whether you think that is the start to a day, or the routine, or the self talk of the person that you would like to be, and that could be you aspire to be a million dollar agent or you want to have a pot or you want to be a business owner or you want to holiday more and be more balanced. Everybody knows, I think if you really break it down and ask them to break it down, what does the life lifestyle habits of that person look like if you had to put it down in writing? And then how does that compare to your habits right now? Mm. And and if your habits aren't aligned with that, yet you know that that's what needs to happen, then you you've really got to look within to say, am I prepared to make those changes? And if I'm not, we'll stop complaining about the complacency or stop, um, you know, lamenting your mediocrity and just and, and just deal with that's who you've decided to be mm. or do something about it. Mm. Sometimes we just don't take the time to get clear on what it – hang on a minute, actually I do know what it takes to be that person. Mm. You know, I know that in my team here if I asked the office to write me down, I do this – uh, often, right? You know, tell me what you think a, a it would take to be a, a top performer in the industry. What do you think the the best people in our industry are doing at you know hour by hour, day by day, and the, and they will all come very very close to the right answers time and time again. Mm. 
and then it's just a decision bringing it back to them or how, you know, where are you in terms of wanting to make that decision? And sometimes it's that they haven't linked. It's not a big enough itch to scratch. Mm. Um, So sometimes you have to link some really personal goals around that. You know, what's going on in your personal life that you'd like to change and do or, or, you know, do you need a bigger house? Do you want another car? Do you want a holiday more? How can you link that back into those changes that might be needed at work so that you have a full circle view of, well, if I do change, it's not just to be a million dollar agent because some people – some people hate that thinking and that I don't want to work harder. You know, um, what, what's the point? Well, the point might be that you might actually get to take your family on a nice holiday or you might get to think, do things. And you can, Sometimes we just get stuck and we need to open our eyes up to the other side of what it, do, what it means for us to be, to progress. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, Sam, it's absolutely been a pleasure to speak with you. Mm. Um, It's certainly been an interview where we've not asked the standard questions because I think particularly, you know, given how long you've been in the industry and certainly the leader that you are within a team, I think it's great to pick your brains on that for other people considering that option for them as well and just to learn from what you've experienced. So thank you so much for being open with us and sharing. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I look forward to seeing the next reel. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Bye.